Father, we thank you for our time of worship tonight. God, and we ask that our worship of you would continue as we uh, look at the words of your Son, God, the words that he spoke when you sent him to earth. God, that these aren't empty promises, Lord, but that he backed them up with his life and his death and his resurrection, Lord, and that because of that, we should listen to their authority. God, we ask that your word would be clear tonight, Lord, and would, would challenge the way that we live our lives. We thank you for your spirit, which gives us understanding into your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, since uh, my wife, Jen, and I have had children, one of the things that has surprised me the most about them is how little they fear. I mean, they're, they're certainly not too fond of, of strangers, and sometimes loud noises kind of freak them out. For example, Dinah is absolutely terrified of packing tape. Try to uh, tape up a box anywhere around her, and she screams bloody murder. Sophie is uh, scared of her great-grandfather. All he has to do is walk in the room, and she clings to whoever's holding her and starts crying. And those things make sense to a certain extent. You know, maybe not the great-grandpa or the packing tape, but that they're afraid of strangers and loud noises. The thing that surprises me is, is when they're not afraid of some things that uh, you know, a grown-up thinks they should be afraid of. Either one of our kids would, would willingly and eagerly launch themselves face-first off of any of the furniture in our house. And they try to do that at least once a week. The other day, we, we found Sophie about halfway up the stairs all by herself. We, uh, we left the gate open, and she just decided she was going to crawl up there. She can't walk yet, but she wanted to go up the stairs, and she did. A couple weeks ago, right before Christmas, we called Poison Control for what was at least the sixth time because Dinah decided she needed some prenatal vitamins. She doesn't. And, you know, don't think we're, we're these horrible parents who never watch our kids, because we do actually try to, you know, keep them out of stuff and from, from doing these bad things. But the point is, is that they're, they're not scared of these things. They'll walk out in traffic, they'll go up and down the stairs, they'll jump off of furniture. These things don't freak them out. That's because, I think, somewhere deep down, they, they trust that mom and dad are going to step in and, and grab them before they, they fall face first off the furniture or before they fall down the stairs, or before they walk out in the street. They, they trust us. They don't fear these things. One day, as they, as they grow up, as they get older, as they start to realize these things are all dangerous, they'll fear them. We fear them. And because we do, because, because we're, we're all familiar with what fear is, because we recognize what dangerous things are, it's not surprising that the Bible talks about fear. It's not surprising that Jesus talks to his disciples about fear. We've been in, in chapter 10 of Matthew, 
And as we've seen, Matthew 10 is where Jesus instructs his disciples before he's going to send them out uh, on a mission. He's going to send them out to the the cities and towns of Israel to to spread uh, the news of who he is. And Jesus has told his disciples that they're going to go out they're going to go out with his message, and they're going to go out with, with his ministry. So they're going to say what he said, and they're going to do what he did. They're going to go out, and they're going to do these things. And then, right before Christmas, we saw Jesus tell his disciples that they're going to face rejection. They're going to face persecution. He said that uh, people are going to uh, hand them over to the courts. They're going to flog them in the synagogues. They're going to drag them before kings and governors. He said that people in their own house, even, even their own children and their own siblings, are going to deliver them over to the government to be put to death. And with that in mind, it's not surprising that the next topic he talks about is fear. Because if we were somewhere, and someone like Jesus, someone who, who, who we trust, someone who we believe speaks the truth to us, if they told us, you're going to face these things... These things are going to happen to you. And these things did happen to the disciples. If they said that to us, we would listen. And most of us, if not all of us, would be at least a little bit afraid. Probably more than a little. If we had this this promise that these things are going to happen, we would be worried about it. But tonight, Jesus is going to tell them that they don't need to fear. Because the gospel is the answer to any fear that they would face. So let's let's read our passage, and then we'll see this kind of fleshed out in the passage. We're going to be reading Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 through 33. If you don't have a Bible, there's, there's some at the end of each row. And tonight's passage in those Bibles is found on page 815. It's also up on the screen. Jesus says, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who would kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. As I said, the main point of this passage is that the gospel who Jesus is and what he's done, that is the answer to any kind of fear that we're going to face, and specifically the fear that disciples are going to face in our passage tonight. They're going to face the, the fear of persecution, the fear of, of suffering. And Jesus is going to tell them that, that what he is going to do for them, what he's done for us, is the answer to that fear. He's going to give them three reasons why they shouldn't be afraid, and then he's going to, to tell them how they overcome that fear. 
And I think that we'll see together that the way they overcome it is by trusting in the gospel, by trusting Jesus, who he is, and and what he's done for us. So let's start by looking at uh, verse 26. He starts this whole thing off with a pretty simple command. He says, have no fear of them. Saying, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of these people who are going to persecute you. These, these Gentiles, these Jews, your, your own family members who are going to do these things to you. Don't, don't be afraid of them. And as I said, he's going to give them three reasons not to. The first reason why they shouldn't comes as the first word in verse 26. That little two-letter word if you're reading ESV. It says the word so. It's the same as the word therefore. What Jesus is doing here as, as he tells them this command, not, not to be afraid, he's connecting it logically to what he said last week. But at first, that doesn't really make sense to us. Because as I just said, what, what he told them right before Christmas, he said, all these bad things are going to happen to you. People are going to drag you out in the streets, in the courts. They're going to, they're going to beat you. They're going to drag you before governors and kings. Your, your own family members are going to turn you over to be killed. Don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. It's no big deal. It doesn't make sense. Why would he say, so don't be afraid if all these things are going to happen to you? Well, the reason why is because we have to remember what the very last thing is that he said to his disciples before he changes the subject. Verse 24 of chapter 10, he says this, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? What Jesus is saying there to his disciples is he's saying, they're going to do these things to you because that's what they did to me. He's telling the disciples that there's not anything special happening to them. They're just being treated exactly how Jesus was treated. They're going to suffer because he suffered first. They're going to be persecuted because he was persecuted first. They're going to be turned over to these these governors and these kings and and beaten because Jesus did all these things first. And that's the first reason why we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid because Jesus goes before us in suffering. He, He faces persecution before we face persecution. And because he's done that, for the disciples especially, because, because they saw Jesus with their own eyes endure all these things. They saw him stand up under the persecution. They saw him face beatings, face trials, face death on a cross. Because they saw these things, because they saw Jesus go before him and endure it, they can have hope that they can do the same thing. They can have hope that because Jesus has done that for them, that he will give them and us, the strength to do the same thing. To to face persecution, to face suffering without fear. And even though we're focusing tonight on on just the the fear of persecution, I think that we can take these these same principles on on how we shouldn't fear, on why we shouldn't fear, and how we overcome it, and, and apply those to other fears that we might face in our life. But specifically, Jesus is talking to them about the fear of persecution. So the first reason that we shouldn't fear is because Jesus goes before us in fear. 
He, he goes before us and faces suffering, stands up under it, endures, does it humbly, does it without sinning, does it without giving up. And because He's done those things, because He's left us an example, we can have hope as we face it. The Apostle Peter, as he's writing to uh, Gentile Christians who are about to suffer persecution, he says something to them very similar to what Jesus says to the disciples here. He says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. Jesus is saying the same thing. He's saying, don't fear, because you've seen Me do these things. You're going to see Me do these things. You're going to see Me suffer righteously. So you don't need to be afraid about what's going to happen to you when you go through it. We see the second reason in uh, verses 26 and 27. Jesus says, For nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. The second reason is that the truth about Jesus is going to be made known. If you think about the things we've seen in Matthew so far, and we're going to see as, as we move forward, there's all these situations where, where someone comes to Jesus, Jesus does something miraculous. They may even recognize that He's the Messiah, and He says, don't tell anyone. Keep it a secret. There's all these things about Jesus that He doesn't want anybody to know at this point. His disciples don't even understand some of the stuff that He says. They're clueless. A lot of the times, especially if you read the Gospel of John, he'll have these little statements where he says, they realized this after the resurrection. What he's saying is that they didn't figure these things out until after Jesus died, after he rose again, and after he ascended into heaven. And he explained all this stuff to them. What Jesus is saying here is that all these things, all these things that they don't understand, all these things that they don't know, all these things about him that they do know and they want to tell other people about, they're going to come out. So he's saying, don't be afraid because the truth about who he is, about what he's done, is going to come out. And as, as they suffer, as they go places with the gospel that the gospel hasn't been before, as they, they face people killing them, one of the things that they might be afraid about is if they kill me, who else is going to bring Christ to these people? If these people kill me, if these people beat me, if, if they force me to go somewhere else, like Paul was forced to go somewhere else. But what Jesus is saying here is that these disciples, the people who he's speaking to, are going to boldly proclaim the gospel all over the place. And the truth is going to be made known. It it doesn't depend on us. It doesn't matter whether we suffer or whether we don't suffer. And so, Jesus is saying, go out. Have the mission that I had. Have the message that I have. And, And if you face persecution, face persecution. But don't be afraid because the truth about me, the truth about Jesus, is going to be made known to the world. 
And I think sometimes, he doesn't say this, but sometimes I think that the truth about Jesus is made known when his people suffer well. Sometimes, and and this is exactly what Peter's talking about, is when we follow Christ's example, when people do mean things to us, when people treat us poorly, when we do it righteously, and we're not afraid. I think when those things happen, the truth about Jesus is made known through our actions, through our sufferings, through the, the persecution that we endure well. The third reason why we should not fear persecution or really anything is found in verse 28. Jesus says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And I was thinking about how to word this one, and uh, this is what I came up with. The third reason why we shouldn't fear persecution or, or anything else is because God is scarier. Jesus says, don't, don't be afraid of those people that can just kill your body. That's all they can do. They can't do anything lasting to us. So don't, don't be afraid of them. Instead, fear the one who can destroy both your body and your soul in hell forever. God is scarier. That's what he's saying. And when we think about the fear of God, and we see, we see that phrase, or the fear of the Lord in the Bible, there's really two different aspects of it. One side of it is kind of this, this reverential uh, awe or respect that we have for God. We, we revere Him. And in the church today, I think we get that side down pretty well. If, if we get either side down, that's the one we get. The other side is, is the one the Jews were much more familiar with than we are, and that's an actual fear of God. More common understanding of the word fear, where we're you know, close to shaking in our boots, scared of the fact that there's this all-powerful God who can kill me, and I'm not worthy to live in His presence. That kind of fear. Think about it this way. Say there's this this loaded gun, and it's in a a locked case, completely secure. Anyone who who understands how guns work, knows what they are, they would hopefully, if they're in their right mind, have a kind of respect for, for the power that that gun has and the potential damage it can do. Have a respect for it. Now take that same gun, still loaded, out of the locked case, and and put it in the hands of a bad guy who points it at you. You're not going to have a a profound respect for the power of the gun. You're going to be afraid of it. You're going to be scared of the power that it has and the damage that it can do to you or to someone else. Now, Now take both of those sides and put them together, and that's, that's essentially what is all rolled into the, the concept of the fear of the Lord. Not that God is a, a mad gunman, because He's not. And it's this, this second side 
this, this side where we are actually afraid of God that we miss a lot of the time. That's exactly what Jesus is saying we should have in this passage. You know, sometimes you'll hear people say that, especially, uh, you know, when we think about younger people, that, that we don't want people to, to trust in Christ for salvation just because they're scared of hell. We don't want people to, to believe in Christ because they're afraid of hell. And I'd say that, yeah, that's true. We don't, we don't want that to be the only reason. But Jesus here says it should be one of the reasons. Look at that. In verse 28, that's a command. Fear Him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. He's telling us, you better be afraid of hell. We should be. Because of that, because if we really get a grip on, on who God is, on, on the power that He has, on the unworthiness that we have, why would we be afraid of anything else? Because He's scarier. That's the third reason that we shouldn't fear persecution is because God is scarier. Now you might be thinking, sure, you know, those, those are some pretty good reasons that Jesus gives us not to be afraid, especially the last one. But, but what if we do fear? What if, what if we do face persecution or we face something else and we're afraid of it? How do we respond to it? What ways, what things can we do to overcome fear? Jesus tells us this in verses 28 uh, through 31. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Jesus is is making a logical argument to his disciples here. He's he's appealing to their reason and our reason. He says, sparrows, right? Birds. Two of them together aren't even worth a penny. This this penny that they're talking about is about a a sixteenth of a day's wage. So two birds worth, worth next to nothing. Nothing at all. He says not even one of them so half of next to nothing. Fall to the ground apart from your father. God, God is in control even of the smallest, most insignificant birds. Now a side note, this means that whenever a bird flies into a window, which is funny, and a little sad, that doesn't happen outside of God's control. And if he does that, if he's in control of that, how much more? Those of us who, who Jesus says have our, the hairs of our head numbered, how much more does he care about us? If, if he cares that much about these, these insignificant birds who fly into windows. And the point is, is that 
because He cares for us, because He's our Father, because He's in control of everything from from the, the largest issues of life and death and heaven and hell and the smallest issues of of how many hairs we have on our head. Because of that, we can trust Him. That's how we overcome fear. We trust God. We believe that our Father is in control of what happens to us and know that no matter what we face, He's still going to be our Father. That's how we overcome fear. We trust God. What we have to ask is, how do we know we can trust Him? You're right, isn't, isn't this the same Father that Jesus just told us to be afraid of? Thankfully, Jesus answers that question in 32 and 33. He says this, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now notice here that shift. Back up in uh, 29, it's your Father, our Father. But when Jesus gets to 32 and 33, it's, it's his Father. He says, my Father. And what Jesus is getting at here is that it's our relationship with Him that gives us a relationship with the Father. If we don't have that, if if we deny Him, then His Father isn't our Father. And He's not watching out for us like He's watching out for these people whose whose hairs He has numbered. He's still in control. But we can trust God. We can trust our Father because we trust Him. Jesus. It's the salvation that comes through the Gospel that gives us our relationship with God. That gives us the hope we need to face anything that could cause us fear. This is how the Gospel is is the answer to our fear. It's because our relationship with Christ. Because of what He's done for us. Because He's faced everything. Not just this, this persecution that He went through first but because He's faced everything on our behalf. Even when we were guilty, even when we deserved the punishment that was placed on Him, even though we were God's enemies, He endured all these things on our behalf. And because He's done that, why wouldn't we trust Him? We're either, I think, going to either face persecution, following Jesus, with Jesus, at the hands of men, or we're going to face suffering without Jesus, at the hands of of this one he describes as, as the one who can destroy both our body and our soul. The point is, is that in reality, even though it doesn't seem that way, even though when we, we face certain things that are, that are intimidating or scary or, or hard to go through, what we should take away from this text is that there's nothing scarier, there should be nothing scarier to us than life apart from Christ. 
And that if we have that, if we have that relationship with Christ that comes only by grace through faith in the gospel, then, then what would we fear? If He's done all these things for us, what do we have to be afraid of? Father, we thank you that because of what Jesus has done, you allow yourself to be called our Father. We thank you that because you are our Father, you care more about us than birds. We thank you that you are in control of the smallest, most insignificant details of our life and the time of when we'll die and how we'll die and, and what's going to happen to us in the future. We thank you that you are our Father. We thank you that Christ's life and his death and his resurrection makes that possible. You've adopted us as your sons and daughters through him. We ask that your spirit would strengthen us and would give us the the courage to follow Jesus in suffering no matter what that means for us. That because of what Christ has done for us in the gospel that we wouldn't be afraid of anything else other than losing him. God, we ask that you would continue just to be with us as we finish our time of worship tonight and just go out from this place. Thank you for Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.